Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. Now, it is my job, as I said, on this Scottish podcast to bring you the Muscle Mentors because we do not have that up here in Scotland. So, I have another one of their team today. One of their team that you might not know much about. I refer to him as the mysterious Muscle Mentor. However, he is a very smart dude and I'm so pumped to have him on today. It is the one, the only Ryan from the Muscle Mentors. How are you doing, buddy? Good, thank you. I love the uh, the mysterious one. Well, I, I often think that, you know, obviously, Cal's been around for a while, and I heard about Luke through Cal. Fuck, James is, you know, James is old enough to be your dad. And I thought, well, <laughs> let's get Ryan on, and let's sort of, let's learn a little bit about where Ryan's from, what he does, what you do within the Muscle Matters brand, what you do with your clients, sort of how you've got to where you are today, and then your vision of, or maybe perhaps an addition to the, the Muscle Mentors vision of what you guys want to do in the future. So in a few sentences, actually, maybe more than a few sentences, could you give us a little bit more info on that? Yeah, sure. So firstly, thank you very much for having me on. It's very, uh, it's, very cool to be here. it's actually my first guest podcast. So yes, it's, uh, woo-woo. welcome yeah. to Give It The Beans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Um, and then... In terms of like how I got into the industry, um, it's in the very stereotypical way of getting into training at a pretty young age. Um, I think I started at around 15 years old. Um, actually, no, it would have been 14 years old because I remember having to uh, to get someone to like sneak me into the gym because I was not <laughs> old enough to get a membership. Nice. It would have been 14 actually. Um, and then that kind of transitioned into me like falling in love with researching about all of the different facets to go into to training and, and changing your body. Um, and, and at that time, it was just like for selfish reasons. I just wanted to learn to, to get the best results for me possible. Um, and then that kind of developed into me thinking, okay, I want to start pursuing this career of becoming a PT. Um, fast forward a few years to, to let's go look sixth form. I'd done my PT qualification while I was actually still at sixth form. Oh, damn. So that I could come straight out of out of education and start kind of pursuing this career. So I actually found a, a college that run it for free. So I was like, sweet, snap that up. Oh, brilliant. Um, used to kind of like travel an hour away to this college after sixth form every night, get that done, and then came back. Um, and that kind of set me up nicely to then just start really looking into how to get my foot in the door in, in a gym just to start this this journey. Um, and I was really grateful and, and lucky enough to get a job at the gym that I'm still at, which is Halo Gym in Summer Dwells. Um, a few people have probably seen like, the likes of me, Luke, Cal train there. Um, Luke still trains there. Cal used to PT there as well. It's an awesome facility, um, kind of like a privately, privately run place. And uh, started out on the desk, um, just like serving protein shakes on, on, on <laughs> yeah. um, which which wasn't the best at the time but like looking back on that it was actually a pretty valuable experience in that it gave me the opportunity to kind of like develop the smaller skills that you need within coaching like how to communicate with people how to build relationships how to just be confident etc so um, I was actually pretty grateful for doing that and then worked my way up to work on the gym floor and that's where the majority of my career so far has been based in terms of just one-to-one PT. Um, as with any other coach, training mainly general population. Um, and then I think 
mainly through knowing Luke, he kind of set me down the right path right from the beginning of, um, I remember kind of being put towards the Integra courses with Michael Gordon, which are awesome. Um, and I've done a lot of stuff with him since then, gone through RTS, etc. Uh, and exercise mechanics is one of those areas I really kind of do enjoy and, and love delving into. Um, and then that kind of just my own personal studies around all the other areas. And then now I've joined the Muscle Mentors, who are a online-based physique coaching company. Um, and we also do like, educational camps as well, basically just talking about all of the, like, our, our, the, the way that we coach clients in terms of not only looking into like, training nutrition, but lifestyle factors as well, um, like we're going to go into today. Yeah, mate, that's class. Uh, I, I never had known the story of Ryan until now. So the I'm story pleased. of Ryan, there it is. <laughs> I think uh, on, on the first Muscle Mentors podcast I went on, I wasn't, for some reason, expecting to have to introduce myself, so I wasn't prepared at all. And I think all I said was my name and that I'm coach, and that's it. So. <laughs> well, you've got the opportunity today to talk all about you, amongst other things. Now, what I like before we get into that is that you said that there was some valuable stuff that you learned in the early part of your career, the whole, you know, about communication. I feel that's kind of lost in today's mm-hmm. industry. And one thing that, that you guys are really good at is putting across information in, okay, a little bit of a geeky way, but also in a relatable way. Now, that's the whole point of this podcast, which is I'm going to allow you to geek out at times and you can use big words, but there are a lot of people out there that they won't know what these big words are. So today's episode is all about sleep. And it was a big one that had quite a few, you know, DMs or cinema DMs that want an episode. And I thought no one other better than the third of the fourth. I'm still trying to get Cal on. He just keeps telling me he's busy, right? I think he's just trying to fob me off. But yeah. <laughs> um, if we come back to the topic, so in general, if we think of sleep, well, first of all, you know, if you could tell the listeners a little bit about what is sleep, you know, why why do we sleep? And that's probably the most basic question I could ask, but I'm sure you'll give me a lint answer. Yeah, yeah it's, it's actually not a basic question. Like the, the, the answer to the question, what is sleep, is one that's been kind of tried to like many people have tried to kind of coin a term that accurately describes it um and if you just google what is sleep it will come up with a random kind of simple definition but it doesn't actually take into account all of the areas that sleep actually like goes into um i think like the best definition i've actually heard is luke's one from his presentation in the theory day we, you were there weren't you i was you there phase one i broke the chair remember Oh yeah, <laughs> I was like mid bulk, and then halfway through one of the presentations, I'm in the middle of the room, and then it just yeah. goes, and this chair goes down. I'm like, bulk's going well. Many of us hope that we can do that one day. <laughs> so well, yeah. yeah, on you go. Um, but his, I've, I've written it down because I wouldn't have remembered it. Um, but his, his definition, like he basically took one of the simpler ones and added a few things to it, and it goes, um, sleep is a multiphasic naturally occurring, reversible, periodic, and recurring state of rest and anabolism for all bodily systems in which consciousness and muscular activity is provisionally suspended or diminished and receptiveness to external stimuli is reduced. And that's basically just like a like bowl of words. That, yeah, it's a, that's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it shows how complicated sleep is and, and, and how many different, like, physiological systems that are affected by it 
Um, and hopefully throughout this conversation, people will start to really kind of value why sleep is important just from that. So um, you talked about, or we maybe didn't talk about, I can't remember, about people think that you just go to sleep and that's it and they'll wake up and think, ah, I must have got a shit sleep last night and um, or like they'll say, oh, I feel great, I'm buzzing and they perhaps go, oh, you know, I just felt like I was dreaming, I was in a really deep sleep and people maybe don't know that there's different kinds of sleep. <laughs> so is there any different kinds and if there are, do you, would you be able to tell us sort of what they're all about? Yeah, so um, we know that sleep is split up into different stages um, and, it, and it occurs almost in a cyclical fashion. Uh, so we know that uh, these, these cycles of sleep occur in roughly kind of 90 minute intervals um, and that can be shorter or longer depending on, depending on the person. Um, and then we go through roughly five of these cycles per night. So you can imagine like 90 minutes times five that equates to around the kind of amount of sleep that we're looking to get each night. Um, and there's these stages are broken down into into four different stages. So stage one to three is known as non-rapid eye movement sleep or NREM sleep. And then stage four is REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep. I think REM sleep people would have, have heard a lot about. Um, and I'll go into like what each one of those stages are in more detail if you want me to. Yeah, mate, please do. Okay, so starting at, starting at the beginning, we've got non-REM1, and this is basically just a, it's, it's kind of, we're not really asleep, we're kind of halfway between being awake and being asleep. Um, you, it, it, people would easily wake up from this state, and, uh, and this is the one that you see people um, having hypnic jerks on. So everyone's seen yeah. like, coming home on the train at night, someone will be sitting there and you see their eyes close, and then their head will slowly start to fall. And then you all of a sudden kind of jog back up. Um, my, that is known as a, my, a hypnic jerk. My missus will be able to tell you a good example of that. Um, if we're sleeping, she'll just like sleep on my arm if we're spinning. Now, when I like do that little jerk thing you said, my I do like a bicep curl, but, <laughs> <laughs> but her face is in the way, right? So, so usually she gets, like, she gets this sort of hand <laughs> to the forehead. <laughs> Um, so she now strategically you're, call, you're calling that a hypnic jerk yeah that's what, I'm going to, that's what I'm going to call it but um, she now strategically places a pillow so that, that if it happens she, she doesn't get a fist to the face Ready. okay right I just thought I'd interject there second uh, so we've done the, NM, the the stage two let's talk about that yeah cool um, so stage two is uh, that's the, what known as light sleep um, so and we actually spend the majority of our night within light sleep. And when people use like sleep trackers, like, like the aura ring or, um, when, when people wear like a, a polar monitor to track their sleep through various apps and they see this really high light sleep percentage, they think, Oh shit, like, that's really bad. Um, but it's not like we, we, we spend around 50% of the total time that we're asleep in this light stage of sleep. Um, and, we see a drop in body temperature. We also see a drop in heart rate here as well. Um, and it's thought to be almost preparing us for the next stage of sleep, which is non-REM3, which is the deep sleep. And this is um, not that there's one sleep that's more important than the other, but this is where the most kind of 
restoration happens in terms of like you'll be physiologically repairing within this stage. Um, we see an increase in protein synthesis and a, and a decrease in protein breakdown um, across all tissues, not only muscle tissue, but obviously muscle tissue is one of those, um, which is one of the reasons why sleep is so important in terms of recovery and, and performance and muscle growth. Um, and we also see um, the, uh, the drainage of, of, of waste from the brain, which is known as um, glim, glymphatic drainage. So our body has a, a, a system called the lymphatic system, which basically clears out all of the, all of the junk that builds up in the day, basically. Um, and our, our, our brain has something similar, but it's known as the glymphatic system. Um, and this is re a really important process um, for, for long-term health in terms of clearing out these, these waste products that build up throughout the day. That's, um, that's awesome, man. You know, I, yeah. I, lo I love the fact that you said that, but I, I was literally interrupting and saying, oh, that's a big word, but you went on and made it relatable, which is yeah. which is class. Now, I bet you any bodybuilder out there, someone that's want to get jacks, just like, oh, Ryan, tell us how we get, you know, 90% deep sleep. And you're just like, nah, that's, that's not going to happen. But nope. what they might be thinking of is, well, why might they be getting really poor deep sleep? what's maybe what's maybe causing that and if they you know they've probably i'm going to assume they've listened to a previous episode with luke but they might not have so if they're thinking well you know ryan i follow you on your instagram and you're always posting that you're getting you know this this percentage of deep sleep and sleep efficiency but mine's is always crap why could that be i'm guessing you're going down the lines of stress right Boom, there you go. All right. Yeah, there you go. Second muscle man, let's uh, back that up. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, but yeah, stress is one of those factors. And like, there's so many there's so many different factors that can, can go into having poor quality sleep. And, and stress is one of those. Um, and uh, and we'll go into later like why that is and, and, and why that exactly does affect things um, and how to maybe potentially put some things in place in order to make sure that that isn't a factor that's detrimenting it. Okay, I like that. Now, something that is often thrown about in today's society is the word circadian rhythm. And a lot of people listening will have no fucking clue what that means, all right? So I know that you guys use it a lot. I use it a lot. But I was wondering, for someone that's just heard that word and went, Bon, what the, what the fuck does that mean? Could you kind of... Give us a, a simplified definition, um, but why it might be important for us to want to try and what as what you guys do optimize that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah sure. Um, so like, I, I didn't go through REM. Should I go through REM quickly as well? Mate, crack on, yeah, crack on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the last stage of sleep is REM, which is rapid eye movement sleep. Um, and it's called that literally because if, if you were to watch someone within REM sleep, their eyes would be kind of flickering and going all, going all over the place. Um, and this is the, the stage of sleep where we, we dream most. Um, but in terms of the, the not benefits, but in terms, of, yeah, in terms of the benefits of this stage, this is where most of our memory consolidation happens. Um, so we'll be remembering all of the things that we've seen and, and learned about and our brain will basically be organizing those all into one filing cabinet ready to be kind of saved in in like in, in long-term memory um so 
in terms of the importance of all of those sleep stages that I just went through, you might be thinking, oh, sweet, as you, as you just said, like people are now going to be thinking, I just need to get all deep sleep because I'm going to get jacked. Um, or I just want loads of REM sleep because I want to, want to be really intelligent. Um, but that's not the case. There's not one that's more important than the other. It's, they're all equally important. And it's um, a case of making sure that we get the right amount of each, not just as much as we can of, of certain ones. Um, so that's sleep stages. And then uh, circadian rhythm. So, and, and this is another pretty kind of complex topic, um, but the, the, the basics of it are, people call it the body clock. Everyone would have heard of the body clock. Um, and it's essentially our internal clock that regulates um, things like our, the, the timing of our hormone release, um, certain like appetite regulation, our body temperature, things like that. And it runs roughly on a 24-hour cycle. Um, and it's actually regulated mostly by light. And uh, there's, a, there's a, uh, the, a little receptor called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which takes through light through the eye. Um, big word, but it just kind of is a receptor. And then that then takes that signal to something called the hypothalamus, which is within the brain, and uh, like the, the hypothalamus can be described as like the um, what's the symbol like like a the master master gland or the master clock. Um, and the the reason why the circadian rhythm is important is because this is one of the main things that actually kind of causes our our sleep wake cycle or causes us to fall asleep and wake up in the morning. And um, I think. One of, one of the biggest things that we see in terms of circadian rhythm dysregulation is, uh, and, it, and it's coined as social jet lag. So we see people go through their jobs Monday to Friday and wake up at a regular time. So they get up at 7 a.m. in the morning and say they go into bed at 11. And then on the weekend, they'll go out on Friday and Saturday night, get in at 3, 4 in the morning and, and, and fall asleep then and then sleep in until 11 a.m. And, uh, and there's this kind of dysregulation in this natural cycle that's occurring. And that can then have a plethora of um, downstream effects in terms of like detrimented sleep quality um, going forward, um, as well as a load of um, like things in terms of health as well. So I like that you touched on the fact that circadian rhythm is, you know, regulated by light. Now, I don't know what it's like for you guys in England, but up here in Scotland, we don't get much. We don't get much yeah, light, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And I'm sure perhaps there's someone listening that's like, well, I get up and it's dark, and I go to the office and it's dark, and when I come out, it's dark, and my, my you know, my sleep shit. Is there something, you know, like a, a simple way that, that that person could could get more light that wasn't necessarily artificial as such but perhaps then improve there's i don't even know if that would help it improve the circadian rhythm or would you maybe suggest that they just need to like get outside at some point during the day yeah i mean um so you, you mentioned that you don't get a lot of sun up in up in up in scotland yeah. um, but just because, just just because you haven't got like bright blue skies and, and perfect weather it doesn't mean that the, the light outside that you're going to get isn't beneficial. Um, and if we look at 
like the intensity of light it's it's graded on a scale of lux so lux and on a like you're, you're exactly right in terms of on a really sunny day that lux will be really really high it's like around 100,000 lux but even on uh, like an overcast day really cloudy really glum and it seems pretty dim outside that lux is still at around 2000 um, and to put that in perspective if you were to spend all day indoors under just like indoor lighting you're only around about 200 lux wow. so you're only taking in like 10% of the light that you potentially could if you were to go outside and spend some time like even under the clouds. That's awesome. So by yeah. simply just just maybe perhaps on your lunch break, getting outside for like half hour is a way that we can improve sleep quality. Yeah. And it's that like regulating light and, and getting people to get as much daylight in the day as possible is one of the first areas that I look at to improve a client's sleep and we've got this we've got this like epidemic now where people just don't go outside uh, they'll like walk to their car which maybe takes like 20 seconds get in their car go and park walk to their office maybe another 20 seconds and then they'll sit indoors all day maybe leave when it's dark and that's it yeah 100 and i cal just started doing my my coaching for prep next year um uh, and i said to him mate i'd listen, I know what you guys do, what you're all about, just give me, let's do a basic WhatsApp. And he's like, no, no, here's the, here's the check-in sheet. And on it, it's got hours of daylight, like yeah. in minutes. And I'm like, fuck man, that's so in detail, but it's awesome. And, it, and again, it's a testament to what you guys do across the board um, for your clients, such as improving their sleep quality. But there's probably, there's probably people out there, and I know I've got clients and I've worked with them and probably you have as well, that they probably they don't value sleeping well they probably know that they probably think that ah, you know what i only get four hours but i could deal with it and i'm, I'm a fucking hard ass and i'm i'm all right now yeah could you just maybe perhaps give the listeners like what would be an impact on an individual's health if they had months and you know what if years of sleep depression can you give us a rough idea yeah of course um and you brought up an important point there in terms of people not valuing sleep in the first place. And uh, like we've got this thing where just like sleep isn't like attractive. Like if you if you say to someone, "Oh yeah, I'm going to have an early night tonight and, and get a good eight hours in," oh, don't need that. Just like you need to work more. Um, but so that there is this chronic undervaluing of sleep. And um, like to the coaches out there with your clients, that's the first area that you need to work on in order for them to make an improvement. And that goes for not only sleep, but everything. In terms of if someone doesn't value it in the first place, getting them to adhere to the things that are gonna improve that is gonna be pretty hard. Um, so, and the way that I do that usually, and like you said with the consultation forms, we have a pretty big section on sleep and we go deep into questioning everything around sleep and what their routine is, how, 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 how well they think they do sleep in the first place. Um, and that almost pre-qualifies the fact that we're going to be speaking about this stuff anyway. Um, and then what I do is just hand them the evidence that like, I'll, I'll speak about in a second and in terms of why sleeping, the amount that they're sleeping at the moment, or why not sleeping enough will affect their health and, and their body composition, etc. Um, 
and most people I usually just say this stuff about body composition because that's the thing that they currently value most yeah. um, you get like kind of bodybuilders oh, I just want to get jacked and, and, and get shredded I don't really want to be healthy I don't care about that so kind of play to what they value already and then they, they might listen a little bit more oh man um, I, like, I've been that guy I've been that 22, 23 year old just you know taking a bunch of gear that Big Jimmy on a forum told me to take you know, yeah. finishing finishing a bouncer job at three in the morning and just getting up at nine and eating a Mickey D's and, and you know, doing all the stuff you yeah. shouldn't do. Uh, that that was me. So uh, I can relate. But, I mean, that must be quite powerful for, you know, a client that comes to you and you just kind of go, there's some evidence that will show that you might die a little bit sooner if you keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. They, yeah. like, and it's just in relation to sleep. They, that must, like, is, is, is that like a flick of a switch for you with them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of the time, if you if you give them this information, like they they have this sudden turnaround of they're the ones asking you how they can improve it. Um, and in terms of just like general coaching coaching practices, if you can get someone to willingly want to make a change rather than you trying to just dictate that change on them and being like, oh, you need to get to bed earlier, you need to do this, you need to do that. If it's them saying, oh, I really, like, I really want to start improving this now Ryan how do I do it and then the process just becomes becomes that much easier that's wicked so I know that there's other questions on the list but I thought of one in regards to because I want to be a little bit nosy in what you guys do and I'm sure that Kyle will do this with me but if there's someone out there thinking right these muscle mentors these guys are at the top of their game and they know what they're doing and all their clients look sick and they're all they're optimal health like you talked about there's certain stages of sleep and we want to be getting perhaps certain percentages of sun what would your aim be now i know that perhaps the majority of people have fitbits and it's not the most accurate right but for those that do could you give us a rough idea of of maybe what they would maybe aim for let's say total sleep and then rem or non-rem sleep is there do you have any recommendations of what they should aim for yeah. Um, so in terms of overall time of sleep, what we need to look at here first is the amount of time that you spend in bed isn't the amount of time that you're spending asleep. So people say, oh, I need to get eight hours sleep. I'm going to go to bed at 10 and get up at six. But that gives you an eight hour sleep opportunity. It doesn't give you eight hours of sleep because you're going to take however much time falling asleep initially. Um, and then if you're someone that wakes up in the night as well, um, which is a big issue, that you're, you're not going to actually get that amount. So giving yourself a, a big enough sleep opportunity is the first area to tackle. So I say to people, if you want to sleep eight hours, give yourself eight and a half hours of actually laying in bed trying to sleep. And that gives you a little bit of, of a buffer there. Um, but in terms of like a general recommendation, you're looking at anywhere between like seven to, to nine hours of sleep and that depends person to person there's certain people that will be absolutely fine running off of off of seven um or maybe even a little bit less than that um and and certain people that will need more however what i prefer to go off of there is um how people actually feel so um i'm not sure if you use the apps that track sleep and it'll ask you a question in the morning of how well do you think you sleep and 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 then a list of questions in terms of how you feel. Um, if someone's waking up and they're taking like an hour or two to, to actually get up and get going in the morning and then they're feeling really groggy all day, 
um, then we know that there's an issue there. And on the contrary to that, if someone's sleeping, say, six hours, six and a half hours, um, and I'm like, no, you need to sleep more than that, but they're, they're, they're feeling good, all of their health markers are in place, all of the other variables that we track um, in terms of, say, resting heart rate, HRV, recovery, um, all of those things, we're, 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 we should be good. Um, but in terms of the percentages, um, tracking devices, as you said, aren't the most accurate thing. Uh, the Aura Ring, which is what I'm wearing now, is the, the most accurate thing um, that, that you can get in, in order to track sleep, um, in my opinion. But there's also been studies now that have... Um, that have compared Aura data to actual sleep um, monitoring in, in sleep labs. I mean, they're, they're pretty accurate compared. Um, and then in terms of the, the percentages themselves, when you're looking on your app and, and, and going through how well you slept, light sleep will always be around that kind of 50% mark. And um, that's one not to worry about if, if it is around there. As I said earlier, people think, well, half, half the night is like in, in, in light sleep. That's not a bad thing at all. Um, in terms of deep sleep, we're looking at between, say, 15 and, and, and 20% usually. Um, and then REM sleep, again, about equal to that. Um, and then the rest is made up of, um, up of like, the other stage of sleep or kind of light sleep. Awesome. Now, you, you quoted Luke at the start of this podcast and I'll I'll say a quote that I remember from that theory day, and it was, "You're not getting up because you need a pee." Oh, it was it. You're you're not you're not getting up to have a pee. You're having a pee because you're woken up. Yeah. And he said that, and I literally sat and I went, "Fuck, <laughs> that's pretty good." Because I always, when I was younger, always, 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 I was like, "Oh, just, yeah, I always get up for the toilet at night," thinking that. It's quote unquote normal, and then when he kind of put it in perspective, that it was like right, going to the toilet is not a life threatening thing. We wouldn't necessarily, if we are, as you said, sleep quality be on point, getting up to do that. And then now, if that happens, I get so fucked off. I'm like <laughs> shit. I, I, like I'm, I'm clearly in a state of stress. I'm I'm coming out of like deeper REM sleep or whatever. Um, and it's instantly frustrating. But what I find is that I get so frustrated, can't fucking get back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Which will lead us on to this to this next point. And I'm sure there's hundred, probably hundreds of thousands of people, maybe not hundreds of thousands, but hundreds of people listening that probably just go, oh, but yeah, I always get up. And you like, I bet you get clients that come to you and say, yeah, I get up two, three times for a pee. Yeah. Now, how do you tell, before I get into the next one, I know I'm not saying that you you that's not normal because it's common, but how would you go about explaining to someone? Well, that's not ideal. Would you just literally say that, or do you have a certain way that you would, if it's if it's handing the papers or whatnot? What mm. would you do? Yeah, again, like the the evidence is pretty clear in terms of having a a, a disturbed night's sleep is so detrimental on so many different things. Um, and we didn't actually go through what, what the detriments actually are. Do you want to go through that? Do you want to lead into that? That is now? a fantastic point. There you go. Um, so what was I just speaking about? Okay, so in, like in, in, yeah, in terms of the, the detriments, um, 
I would do exactly that, just hand them, hand it to them. And ultimately, you always want to present things in a way that makes them realize rather than you telling them. Um, so uh, if you're waking up in the night, your, your, your sleep quality is nowhere near where it needs to be in order to live a healthy life um, and also um, like live a, live a life that's easy to maintain a, a favorable body composition as well. And uh, for anyone looking to change their body composition, which is the majority of the clients that come to us, um, we want to be creating this scenario where it is as easy for them as possible. And one of the big, one of the big things that we see um, happen when someone doesn't sleep all the way through the night and they're waking up and having this disturbed sleep is a dysregulation in their appetite. So we see a, um, uh, a decrease, sorry, an increase, no, a decrease in leptin and an increase in ghrelin. Now, leptin is a hormone that basically sends a signal to the brain to say, I'm, I'm, I'm full, I've eaten enough, I'm satisfied, I'm, I'm good. And then ghrelin is the opposite to that. That's like, I'm freaking hungry, I want to eat, give me all the food. Um, and you can imagine if you're sleeping um, at a low quality, and you're having this massive increase in ghrelin, decrease in, in leptin, we're going to be hungrier the next day. We're going to be experiencing more cravings. And we're also going to want to air towards picking foods that are higher in terms of their caloric density, which sees you kind of going for like junk foods, etc. So just that, like, and we see it so often in terms of when people are going through a dieting phase, trying to lose body fat, etc., especially towards the end of, say, someone's photo shoot or competition prep, their sleep will go down the pan. And at that point as well, they're at a pretty low body fat. Um, and leptin is actually released from adipose tissue as well. So the less adipose or the less body fat that you have, the less leptin you will be producing. So you've got a double whammy there. Like if you can get your clients sleeping well, the the like the process of decreasing body fat percentage, the process of dieting and, and eating in a way that's conducive to being healthy will be that much easier. Yeah. Um, which was a pretty cool thing. I, I would ask you, do you think that the obesity epidemic that is not just in the UK and the world is partly caused by a lack of sleep? You could, yeah, you could hypothesize, and I think they have. Like, you know? if, if, if it's causing people to want to eat more, and and uh, like that's that seems obvious to me. Um, Plus, what we need to remember as well is that if you're sleeping more, you can give it more beans on a hack squat. There you go. And that's what that's what everyone that's what everyone wants to do. Yeah. Um, I still think I gave a talk last year at Pure. And I talked a little bit on sleep. I can't remember what study or something it was. It was just that the average, the average adult in the UK was getting like less than six and of course if you've got like a wee kid or a newborn baby okay yeah that's what you're getting but if you're just staying up to watch fucking Johnny fucking Shore which by the way I might have watched years ago but not now right Um, mate I had the hair and everything right straight in the fringe but, um, <laughs> right, that was that was a different Vaughn. Vaughn used to go out every Saturday. Vaughn's circadian rhythm when when he was at university was fucking terrible. Yeah, um, but it it kind of just does show that 
not valuing it and staying up just because there's a TV programme on isn't great for your health. But then again, you kind of go, well, what kind of, this will lead, tie into the next question is that is watching TV and getting perhaps some sort of different lighting good for us in regards to our sleep? And, you know, I wear some funny coloured looking glasses before bed and some people go, Vaughn, what, what are those? But rather than me describe it, um, why why would we wear some some funny looking orange or maybe perhaps different coloured uh, glasses before bed? Yeah, of course. Um, so what you're referring to there is if, if you're not just wearing some weird fashionable glasses. <laughs> no, mate, trust me, I'm not yeah, fashionable. fashionable. I'm... Statement. I'm the furthest away from fashion that there is, and my mate Ali will vouch me on that. But so, what we're referring to here is blue light blocking glasses, um, and the principle behind them is to do exactly what's on the tin to, to block blue light. And um, the conversation we can now go down is the 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 light in which we're taking in in the evening is going to affect your ability to fall asleep and, and have a good night's sleep. Um, and one thing that people don't actually talk about often, like I think the whole talk around blocking blue light in the evening is um, pretty well known now. Like a lot of people are speaking about it. You see a lot of people wearing blue light blockers and, 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 and like putting information out there. But one thing I think people don't realize as much is that it's not just the, the, the fact that blocking out blue light or it's not just the fact that darkness at night sends a signal to our body to say okay it's time to sleep let's start releasing certain hormones that will do that it's actually the contrast between the highest amount of light we get in the day and the lowest amount of light we get in the evening so this is another kind of scenario where uh, to support the fact that getting outside in the day as much as possible especially it's been shown within the first period of the day, like the first couple of hours within those morning hours, just down to that circadian rhythm entrainment as well. Um, and, and the more lux we can get from that light. So um, again, getting outside, you're going to be getting exposed to that higher level of lux and taking that in through not only our eyes, but through our skin as well. Um, and that's one thing that like if you can expose as much skin as possible, I don't go running outside naked and say, no, oh, Ryan told me to do it. That was muscle men as they told me to do that. Yeah, see some guy running through Scotland. I but. still remember, like, Josh Bridgman is also one of Kyle's clients. Um, and Josh he was a, naked in the garden. Yeah, I, did, I literally was the way to say. Um, he, he got his kit off and, he was, and he was, yeah. all he was speaking about was circadian rhythm and natural sunlight. Yeah. And I thought, that's fucking brilliant. Did, did he get his kit off? He put it on Instagram. That's a whole other level. Well, but, but hey, he'll get away with that. That's Josh Bridgman. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it, that's, it's, it's brilliant to, to see that, again, something that so many people, and, and mate, I, like, I'm the, the old me, was the same I would have never thought get outside and I'll sleep a mm. bit better because it just doesn't it, seem to be it, it was something that I was like oh no you just go to the gym and then you fucking take loads of protein and then it's that creatine that fucking creatine gets you massive and, <laughs> and it's not the diet and it's not anything else like that it, it's something that yeah. I never valued and it's hence why I wanted to get yourself on because I wish 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 I'd went to your guys seminar listen, learn from you guys 
back when I was a fucking idiot. Still a little bit of an idiot, just with <laughs> more of a receding hairline. Um, um, but hey, I'm going going off tangent here, right? So here's another example, right? Let's say that you've got Bobby, right? I'm just gonna. This guy's name's Bobby. Bobby yeah. loves playing computer games, mm-hmm. right? And what he does is his missus goes to bed, right? But by the way, Bobby goes to the gym and he wants to get totally jacked as well, right? And he loves playing computer games. What what would that be doing in regards to his, whether it's circadian rhythm, whether it's hormones, whether it's melatonin or general, whatever it is, why might not that be great? Because this is one thing I literally, like, frustrates the shit out of me. Oh, yeah, I play video games at night before I go to bed. I'm like, damn it, stop it. But why might that be a detriment to to their sleep quality? What what might it do? Yeah, so it does have something to do with circadian rhythm in terms of light being the main thing that entrains that and, and light being the main signal for our body to either be awake or be asleep. And the reason why we fall asleep at night and not in the day is because it's dark. And darkness basically sends sends us a, a signal to say, okay, it's time to start releasing all of the hormones and, and getting into the state that um, allows us to fall asleep and stay asleep. And what's happening to, to Bobby here, he's up late, right up until the moment he's going to bed, playing video games. Now, any time that we're staring at anything that emits a light, especially screens like laptops, TVs, phones, and it's so common now for people to... Um, be on these devices right up until they go to bed. The reason why that may affect things is because the, these devices emit a lot of blue light. And blue light, um, so if you look at light, it's on a spectrum, and there's, there's loads of, it's made up of loads of different colors, and blue light is the main one that um, is a trigger for our supervised matter nucleus, which is the thing that um, regulates regulates our our circadian rhythm or at least sends the signal to the hypothalamus that regulates it um we're looking at these screens and we're taking in this blue light and it's almost you could put it simply as it's like tricking our bodies that it's still daylight and it doesn't allow those natural processes to start occurring so we see um a pretty pretty big down regulation in something called melatonin release um melatonin uh, people would have heard of as the sleep yes, the sleep hormone and it's the the guy that is going to allow us to actually fall asleep and stay asleep and we can imagine that if we're staring at streams suppressing this melatonin release we are then delaying the time in which it the, or the time at which it does start to be released um and and that will probably be pushed back a good couple of hours after you've then gone to bed if you've been taking in light right up until bed um and that is going to have again a plethora of detrimental effects on your your quality of sleep as well so um in terms of what you said at the beginning of blue light blockers if someone like so the first thing that i get people to do around this is try and take out as much light as possible in the evening and oftentimes it's just a case of changing someone's routine and rituals and it's almost just like people go on autopilot sit down in the evening go on their phone and start scrolling through instagram or put on netflix and and watch a movie right before bed and um it's not necessarily like really bad to do that but if you were to if you were to turn those devices off a good hour ideally 90 minutes before we go to bed and then start 
replacing that with another activity that allows us to start relaxing um, and, 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 and start actually kind of getting in the state ready for sleep. And that involves putting away devices so we're not taking this to be light. We can also look at dimming the lights in the house as much as possible by potentially turning off any ceiling lights and turning on um, dim lamps. I'm a big fan of, of, of salt lamps. Um, for people that haven't seen them, I definitely recommend getting one. It's a really nice light to have in the evening. It almost kind of emulates sunset. It's a really kind of orange glow. And what I do is I bought one that has uh, like a dimmer switch. So I'll put it on, um, say, I don't know, like an hour before bed at the full brightness. And then say like every kind of 15 minutes or so, I'll turn it down a little bit. So the lights be getting progressively lower and lower, just like it would if you were, say, camping outdoors and under under natural sunlight in its setting um and it's 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 one of the hardest things to to get people to do and this is where blue light blockers comes in in terms of if you truly can't stay off of screens before bed and there are people that say have to work right up until bed um etc if that is the case or if you are watching a movie with your family one night and you don't want to say oh no we can't watch that so i've got to get good sleep you can pop a pair of blue light blockers on, which have basically got lenses that um, help to, to, to block that light going into your optic nerve um, and sending that signal. We can also use technology, say if you're using a laptop, you can download something called F-Lux, um, which basically changes the colors of your screen in order to make it emit less blue light. Um, and there's also things on your phone now, which people would have seen in terms of like the night mode on iPhone. And you can also do a few cool things with the settings in your iPhone as well to um, put on like color filters to make it slightly more red um, and less blue. But all of these little things um, are just easy ways to start seeing some real improvements in how well you're sleeping and thus the improvements that come from sleeping well in terms of health and body composition and just how you're feeling day to day. That's, that's, that's class, my man. Now, I'm sure there's some people out there that they've found this information juicy they're lapping up and they're like right cool i've done that i've already done it but you know tell me more is there is there something i can do something i should be doing because you know i said about my being disgruntled at bobby playing his video games and uh you know is there anything else they could do simple strategies like absolutely simple strategies they could do to um help them maybe perhaps get into a, a, a better sleep routine what do you, what, what, what sort of things do you do with your clients yeah so we've got so many different things at play um and you probably know i think you've just signed up with cow haven't you yeah. so you would have probably got the um like the lifestyle kind of information pack and that has um he's actually loads not of different sent me that yet but it said oh, it, it, it said in the, it said in the email Please refer to this pack, and I'm going, Cal. I, I didn't, I didn't bother asking for it now. Um, but hey, so you could tell that uh, this is news to me. You tell me. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll give you all the info now. Yeah. Um, but that basically gives our clients a, a, a full list of little things that they can be doing throughout their day in order to improve things. And like the point that I want to make first is that all of these things are free, and the, and the best things to to do to improve your sleep are always free. They're always lifestyle factors. And people, as with training and trying to grow muscle, they'll try and look at the best supplements to take in order to in order to do that. 
Um, but don't look down the line of supplements straight away until you've got all of these other factors in place. Um, so that's the first point. Obviously, we've spoken a lot about light, so I'll leave that there now. Um, other things that people do that they don't realize they're doing that are implementing their sleep. Caffeine's a big one. Um, like So many people are just living off of caffeine now, and it's almost a like self-perpetuating cycle in terms of having caffeine um, too close to bed will decrease sleep quality down to the fact that um, like one of the mechanisms of that is that it will um, inhibit the, the um, receptor within our brain that um, receives something called adenosine. Now, one thing I didn't cover earlier, and one of the other things that actually causes sleep is something called sleep pressure. Um, it's also referred to as our homeostatic drive. And the mechanism behind that is it, basically the longer we're awake, the sleepier we get. And everyone knows that. Um, but when we're going throughout the day and we're using energy, this byproduct called adenosine is, is, is produced. And our brain um, re receives this adenosine. And the more, it, the more it receives, the tighter it gets. All caffeine does is blocks that. So you, your, your brain basically can't, um, can't recognize the fact that it's using loads of energy, which is why you can go for so much longer. Um, but it's also a reason why anyone that, that's taking, say, a pretty strong pre-workout with a big dose of caffeine, you get this massive energy slump afterwards, and, and it's known as the crash. And that's because we all of a sudden get this massive rush of adenosine and this massive... Um, like build up of sleep pressure all in one and that's that, that's when we start to feel that kind of big crash after taking a pre-workout um so in terms of recommendations around that i simply say to people caffeine is absolutely fine there's so many studies on it improving training performance um improving cognition etc however just try and keep that within the first half of the day so if you can if you can say have your last coffee before noon perfect um because caffeine has a, a half-life of around six hours. And uh, a half-life is basically the amount of time that it takes for the amount of, say for in, in, in this instance, the amount of caffeine within your, your, your bloodstream to be metabolized or to be broken down and used. So you can imagine if you have 200 milligrams of caffeine at 4 p.m. before you train, six hours later at 10 o'clock, you still got 100 milligrams of caffeine in your system. And then you're wondering why you're waking, like laying there, walking awake, staring at the ceiling with your heart racing, that oh, I can't sleep. Um, so one simple thing there, keep your caffeine towards the beginning of the day. Um, another one people don't think about is stay cool or have a cool bedroom. And I don't mean like go and decorate it with like loads of weird cool things. I mean the temperature. Wait, isn't, uh, isn't um, there a Justin, so, Justin Bieber poster on your wallet I'm looking at right now? Is that not... Yeah, yeah. Stuff you're Tells me oh right no I thought, forget we're not videoing right no I'm just kidding man yeah, sorry, sorry. keep going keep going <laughs> um, so at, at night our body temperature or our core body temperature actually falls slightly so if we have um, a hot room and everyone like everyone's familiar with the feeling of it being summer well you might not but it being really hot weather and just not being able to fall asleep um, and that is down to the fact that your body's fighting to decrease your core body temperature, but it's having to fight even harder because your external temperature is, 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 is so much more. Um, so potentially one simple thing, maybe just 
say you leave your window open slightly to let some some cool air in um and one thing that can help you cool down is potentially having a warm shower or bath pre-bed um you say warm shower warm bath it's going to heat me up um it actually does help to cool your core body temperature down so the way that that works is um anytime that we 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 cause uh, or, or anytime that we have a hot bath or shower it causes um blood flow to to um, flow nearer the surface of the skin, taking blood away from the core, essentially. Um, it also causes vasodilation, which is, so if you imagine a, a vein or a blood vessel, um, uh, vasodilation is the expansion of that, meaning that more blood can get through. Um, so we've got this scenario where more blood on the near the surface, and then vasodilation, meaning more, even more blood can get there. And due to, due to the fact that it's close to the surface, it's easier to cool down. Um, so it does help to 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 uh, go through that natural process as well. So another nice simple thing, um, and then just chill out. Like don't stress in the evening. And as Luke probably spoke about, the the effects of stress is is um, is one big thing that is affecting people as well. And like not that cortisol is the the bad guy. And and like, people talk about cortisol and it's got a pretty bad rap, but. Cortisol is not bad. It's actually needed, and, and it's it's um, it's coined as the stress hormone. It's actually the anti-stress hormone, so it's there to get us out of a stressful situation. Um, and people always use the scenario of like imagine however many thousands of years ago when a when a when a lion starts chasing you, you're like shit, I need to run. Cortisol helps to do that by um, helping to increase your, your blood glucose levels and thus give you a little bit of a quick burst of energy to run away. Um, but the reason why cortisol is bad in the evening is down to the fact that um, cortisol and melatonin, which is one of the things I spoke about earlier, that it's coined as the sleep hormone, they almost have this inverse relationship in that if cortisol is high, melatonin will be somewhat suppressed. Um, and we should see, in terms of the circadian release of, of cortisol, we should see a, a, a peak in the morning hours of cortisol, um, which is the, the, the hours that will be most awake and ready. And then throughout the day, cortisol should start to slowly decrease and, and be at its lowest, um, like around bedtime. And with that, you'll then see a, a, an inverse increase in melatonin. So if we're getting home and... and, and say we're answering work emails or we are doing something stressful such as training in the evening, which is which is a stress to the body, um, that is then going to have that effect in terms of melatonin suppression potentially. Um, so chill out, maybe keep training away from the evening hours if possible. If you have to like train in the evening because of your work schedule or whatever, just make sure that you're getting home and, and um, Cal always says flip the switch as quick as possible and you'll be familiar with that in terms of trying to get back into what's known as a parasympathetic state as, as, as quick as possible which is the part of our nervous system that's um, kind of like uh, influencing our rest and digest state um, and then you can use things there like meditation um, stretching actually is a, is a good one that's shown to activate the parasympathetic nervous system um, and then just maybe reading a book as well. Um, there's there's studies showing that reading a, a book that is fictional that kind of takes you away from 
your normal life, your normal stresses, and you kind of get engrossed in this story of, of, of the book, that can help as well. So there's all these little things that we can be doing. Um, it's just a case of I, using what I, I love that they're, they're real-life factors, real-life things that people aren't doing before they want to jump on the latest supplement. Now, rather than get you to talk about supplements, what I'm going to say is if someone wants to know more, to direct message you on Instagram and they can get more information about perhaps supplement if they've done everything now you've just dropped 55 minutes of knowledge bombs there of how to improve sleep quality if they've done all that and they think I want a bit more send Ryan a DM you'll be happy to to contact you now that guess sort of wraps things up nicely for you to say people are out there thinking right who's this Ryan guy muscle owners who are they could you just give the listeners an idea of where they can contact you, your Instagram handle, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, cool. So I'm basically solely active on Instagram and all of us guys are just our name underscore the muscle mentors. So I'm Ryan underscore the muscle mentors. Um, and then we're also launching our education website soon as well, which is going to be amazing. And uh, we'll be putting out a bunch of educational content on there. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And I'll be producing a lot of content for that as well. Um, and yeah awesome now for anyone listening out there I think that wherever you are in the world whatever you're doing I think Ryan's message today is that you've got to value sleep if you want to get maybe not jacked like we want to get but even if you just want to perhaps trim a little bit of body fat off so wherever you are and not die, and not die. yeah if you want to live for longer right so for me and Ryan both, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, give it the beans.